I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What would you do if you went in to get a coffee and the kid behind the counter says to you, First thing in the morning, you look tired. I would be saying, you're damn right. That's why I'm in here getting a coffee. Well, I'm in there. I'm in there. I'd say of the seven days a week, a solid four days, I go in and get a coffee. So does does he know you? He sees me every now. No, no, there's no first name basis. He actually... This, this, I don't know how old this kid must be. He's either like really young with a beard or he's like young, like maybe like 20, 21, 22. But he calls me big guy, which, you know, is, I don't know, I mean, I don't know. I'm 42. I probably got 20 years in the kid. I don't know if that's somewhat disrespectful or if I like it. <laughs> it's true. If my dad walked into a place and someone referred to him as, hey, big guy, like he, he would, he would, he would think that kid is disrespectful. Where I'm sitting there thinking, he's awfully comfortable. Apparently, I give off this, you know, idea that I'm a friendly, kind of a friendly guy. Like, you can call me big guy. I show up, I'm like, hey, bud, how are you? Yeah, I just have a, you know, a large black coffee. That's it. So you're the, you're the friendly giant. That's what you friendly are. Friendly giant. Anyway, so today, the same guy had the audacity to say that I look tired. And, and I is, he, kinda, is he right? I kind of caught off guard. Pardon? Is he right, though? I was like, no, I'm not tired at all, actually. That's what I said to him. I'm like, I'm not tired at all. He goes, oh, okay. I said, I wear tired as a look. <laughs> no, you didn't. But I said to him, you can be tired. You can be tired. There's nothing wrong with being tired. I bet you this is one of the slowest working days in the last decade. This day today of September 20th. 2022 this is the slowest moving day you're going to see in the in the last decade here in uh beautiful buffalo so uh there's a lot of hungover people today a lot yeah the uh so i go into the tim hortons inside a coffee shop or inside inside a coffee shop jesus inside a gas station so i just i get out and i walk in and the place just reeked of booze and I'm not talking about like a case of beer that was dropped on the ground and exploded open. I'm talking about the guy in front of me, <laughs> you know, the guy behind me. But anyway, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a morning, interesting morning. I think he just assumed you look tired. And I'm like, no, I don't I don't look tired, my friend. I'm not tired, actually, to be quite honest with you. Just pour my coffee, take my debit card and shut up. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> angry. I'm just I'm just kidding. So other news in hockey today, I sent you a couple texts today. Zdeno Char retired, P.K. Subban retired. Mm-hmm. I think we probably know what's in store for P.K. Subban. If we're not stupid and blind, he's going to be on TV somewhere doing something, maybe with ESPN, if he hasn't signed a deal already. Yeah, I, I 
I will say this. I I've said it in the past. Um, you know, often happens that, uh, when certain players do not make the playoffs or lose out in the playoffs, they would go to, um, one of TSN Sportsnet, ESPN, all of the, the big networks. Okay. And you would have former guys that were in the playoffs or maybe didn't make the playoffs would go on the panel dissect discuss you know give their opinions i'll tell you suban was has been fantastic i mean he is captivating listening to him and he's always like the funny thing is when i played against him he irritated me like no other um but you you've begun to he grows on you he grows on you and i i'm gonna tell you he has done some marvelous things away from the game of hockey. Okay. You can talk about PK Sube as a hockey player and, you know, he was a Norris trophy winner. Um, he's had a really nice career, but I go way above and beyond that. When I think of PK Sube, cause I think about, um, because I, I spent so much time in Montreal and going to the children's hospital and all of that type of stuff. Um, he has gone above and beyond with um, the he name. He donated of, like 10 million mil, bucks. Yeah, or something $10 million to, to the hospital in, in Montreal. And I think he goes back there every year yeah. and does a big fundraiser for him as well. I mean, they, listen, they love like, him there. I think PK Subban has taken his sport and his craft. He's deemed himself an entertainer, in my opinion. I mean, he's more of an entertainer to me than he is a hockey player. And I've always found that yeah. about him. Like when I watch PK Subban play, or if he's on TV, I say there's a very well conditioned, great athletic performer, like entertainer. That's what he is. That to That's me, exactly I've, what he is. I've never really viewed him as a. I've taken his skills and his ability seriously, but I've taken his career more as more of like an entertainment type thing than I have, you know, a, a professional athlete. You know what I think about when I think of uh, PK is it, it, he always ruffled my feathers um, because um, and this is not a good thing. It, my my feathers got ruffled. But as I as I get older and certainly more mature, I start to see other sides of things where when I was a player, a lot of us were set in our ways, old school. Um, PK Subban was very out there. He was, he was a personality. Number one. Meanwhile, when I came into the league, there was no personality except for Jeremy Roenick. Okay. Nobody had personality. Nobody stepped outside the box of a of a professional hockey player. Um and PK started to promote himself beyond the game of hockey, right? He has a clothing line. Um he's just always always in the limelight whether he's with celebrities like we were just talking about. These were things that irritated me about him when I played against him. Now, I appreciate him, and we need more players 
like him now that I'm away from the game. Okay. I see things completely different when I was in the bubble to now being outside the bubble. And I think PK Sume has done a really nice job promoting himself throughout the years. Um, he is, he's got a ton of heart. Okay. He's got a ton of heart with his, you know, things that he has done for charity wise away from the game of hockey, which I think is huge. And I appreciate his attitude more now that I'm older watching than when I played against him. I did not like him at all because I didn't like guys getting outside the box. I didn't like guys promoting and being a me, me, me guy. I'm going to promote me because I was never about me. I was all about team. You know what it is, though? And and as I'm listening to you speak... I'm thinking about this and it's, it's more, it's not so much that it's me, me, me. It's that he just, like you said, I think other players were jealous of the attention he was getting because he had personality. And that's well, why he, that's he was why an guys don't like that seeker, because though. they're jealous because they're like, well, I can't act like that. And, and then you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, you can't act like that because you're not allowed to act like that because your coach or whatever is a hard ass. And, and the game is supposed to be so hard nosed and so serious. We're serious in hockey. And it's just kind of like now, now the game has taken total, total beating uh, when it comes to the characters of players in the game that we're jamming it down everyone's throat and we're force feeding players to be more like PK Subban. Be more active on social media. Show the pictures of your dogs. Show the pictures of you on the dock in the summer. Like let's let's show the personality of the players because it was it worked for PK Subban. Like he's the one that started all of it, in my opinion. And the, and the funny thing is about it too. Like it, it's it's just interesting how he kind of um, touches a chord that I didn't like when I when I played. Okay, so when I played, um, I was in Montreal and. I hate to say this now that I think back on my career that I played a very long time, you know, 12 of those years were in Montreal. And I think playing 12 years in Montreal is far, far, far too long because what it does, it, it affects the way you deal the way you go through life. Okay. In Montreal, there was so much focus on players that you never felt like you could just be yourself. When you went out for lunch, when you went to a movie with your wife, when you went anywhere in the city, you were constantly, and I mean constantly, and I and I use the, this word as as a player back then, but it's different now the way I think of things. I felt like I was harassed. Saku Koivu could not go out. He could not go out anywhere. Nowhere in the city could he go without being a, a complete barrage of being, we, we would think it in our minds, harassed. You're, you're a harass. I just want to eat my freaking lunch. And have a Perrier in peace without having no joke in a 45-minute sit-down with Saku Koivu. There, there would be 40 people that would come up to the table and ask for an autograph, 
and a picture. Okay, I have a question out of all that. This is my question and what I take away from all that. You drink Perrier over Pellegrino? I drank them both. Okay. All right. Whatever they had. But you got it. You think Habs fans uh, love PK or hate him? I I think they love him. I think they love him. I think, um, you know, listen, I mean, PK got traded because uh, the the inner workings of that team at the time were not happy with PK. He was an individual. He was a guy that promoted only himself. It was all about PK. And PK was very young at the time. Okay. He probably thinking back now and, and he'll reflect in the next 10 years on his career. He'll probably say to himself, yeah, I, I would have liked to do things a little bit differently. Um, the inner workings of that room were not happy with PK. And that's, that's why they, they, they moved on from him. They just, uh, they needed a fresh start. They ended up getting a great defenseman for him. And, well, yeah. And How do you Shea think that Weber. trade? Yeah. You think that, do you think Montreal won that trade? Absolutely. hundred percent. They, they won that. I, I, PK was the younger player, the more dynamic player at that time. PK was a young buck and he was just, he had lots of piss and vinegar, where Shea Weber was one of the ultimate leaders in the game at the time, captain just through and through. And he still had a ton of game left in him, even though he was later on in his in his years. Um, it's exactly, and I mean exactly what the Montreal Canadiens needed at that time. They needed a guy like Shea Weber that could solidify, galvanize that group so they could they could forge forward and 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 play some better hockey and he he certainly did that mark bergevin signed him to that bridge deal i don't know if you remember there was the talk i, I don't know i think i can't remember i go all the way back he signed that yeah. two-year deal and then the fucking guy wins the norris trophy the second year of the deal i think or maybe yeah. it might might have even been the the first year of the deal but he signed that deal in 2012 and it was for two years and it was uh Five point nine million over two years, and then he had two massive years. He had that. Uh, he had that season. In I'm pulling this up here. In uh, so he signed it in twelve thirteen. So forty two games. He had eleven goals, twenty seven assists, thirty eight points in forty two games. That's the year he won the Norris, mm-hmm. right? And at that point, you're in a you're in a position where. You know, you just signed this guy to a, a, a two-year deal. That might have been one of the reasons why we don't see bridge deals that often anymore because players like this turn around and absolutely screw the team because then he goes on to sign a $9 million deal for, what was it, eight years? Yeah, 70, uh, $72 million. Listen, I mean, I, I, I really don't have a problem with, um, with what Bergeron did there. If you know, I, I never feel bad. I never feel bad when you're you've made a decision where you're 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 a little bit unclear on a certain play. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, and you, you elect to kind of stretch that out and, and give them a, a, a bridge deal. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And, and, you know, for, for two years, the, you know, the bridge deal was, uh, very favorable for, for the Canadians, you know, they were, they were paying them, you know, the, the, the cap hit was what three, uh, $3 million for two years. So PK went and did what he had to do. He took off as, as a defenseman and he got paid for it. And there, and, you know, looking back on it, I think it's the right thing to do for, for Bergeron. All right. And, and, you know, you have, you have a defenseman that capitalized and earned what he got. He won a Norris trophy. They had to pay him. And, you know, I don't have a problem with the contract whatsoever. I just can't believe that contract's over. I remember when the contract was signed, and yeah. I just can't believe it's over. I remember thinking, like, listen, I mean, PK is only thirty-three years old. He is only thirty-three years old. It is puzzling, a little bit to me, that he would decide to to step away. Why? Because, um. Because I, th- I I still believe that P.K. Sube could be an asset for a team that is in pursuit of a Stanley Cup. I and, thought he would have been a great fit here in Buffalo, but I, I didn't know that he was contemplating retirement. His brother's in the organization. Yeah. You know, like, I I, I mean, they if needed... If you're P.K. Sube and you've made $80 million in your career, okay? You've only played 13 years. You're only 33 years old. I would have thought that PK Sube would would have done something like Mark Giordano. Mark Giordano decided that he was going to take $800,000 a year for a two-year deal because when he got to Toronto, he realized something. He realized that they have on that team some of the greatest offensive players in the game. So in order for him to win a Stanley Cup and give himself an opportunity, Mark Giordano at his later stage in his life, who made very good money himself, he has decided to take the ultimate low-end deal at eight hundred grand to give him the best opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. You know what? Everything and I thought PK would have done why? the same thing. Why does he have to? Why does everybody have these, these uh, thoughts that a guy has to go and play somewhere because he has to wrap up his career with a championship? You ever stop to think that some guys, some guys just don't give a shit about the championship and that forced attitude of I got to end my career with a championship or it just wasn't worth it. It's like, it's so manufactured. Like this is a business. And that's what I love about football because I remember talking to two NFL players like years ago. And I'm, you know, I remember saying, well, how long, how long do you want to play? They're like 10 years and I'm out. I don't care if I win or not 10 years and I'm out. I want to make my money and get out of here. And I loved it. I was like, that's fucking awesome. You know why? Because you're being honest. Because you know what? You're not you're not in this to go and kill yourself for another team and owner to hoist a Stanley Cup. You're in it to bank yourself some cash, put yourself in a great situation down the road. This, this I got to win 
is so fake anyway that I love the PKs walking away 33 years old, body still intact, bank account loaded in cash, and he's got an opportunity of a lifetime to go and make more money than $800,000 a year playing and killing yourself trying to stay in shape and play for a cup and make a run to maybe get there. Gives a shit. Gives who gives a shit? Well, I love. I love. Apparently, I, you don't. I, but the, but a lot of us. No, but I watched all these guys. You're going to oh, sit there at the end of your career. You look around. You're like, fuck. You could care less about winning. And I don't you're, begrudge you're anybody. Very wrong. I don't begrudge anybody for that, Craig. I don't sit and say, well, they're wrong for thinking that way. Screw that. As you, if you give everything for your team. If you give everything for your team every single night and you lose and you don't give a shit, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Just don't show up and mail it in. If you give everything and you don't care if you lose, I am absolutely fine with that. Well, I respect that opinion. I don't agree with that opinion whatsoever. Like, not whatsoever. And um, that's because they inserted the chip when you know, because I, I, I listen, win. I mean, well, no, 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 no. Before I even talked about I like like, do you remember when you actually at what age at what age you actually started to, to think to yourself deep inside your your gut that you had an opportunity that you might have an opportunity to play in the NHL? Do you remember what time that was? Yes. When? How old were you? 15. 15. So at 15, you believed that you had an opportunity to play in the I was told that I have a major opportunity with the ability that I had to get close to the NHL. And if you're close, you're close enough to make it. Yep. So you started honing in at 15 to say, hey, I've got to work towards something. There is a focus for something. Not really. I'm going to go and get. Kind of brushed it off and thought this guy's full of shit. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now. I I uh, I, I went away when I was uh, when I was 15, 16. I played. Okay, when I was 16, I played. Uh, you know, you know, tier two junior A team when I was 16. Then I got drafted to uh, the OHL, and. I didn't even think about playing in the NHL. Not one single time did I ever think about this is the reason why I'm leaving home. This is the reason why I'm going to the OHL to make the NHL. Not, not once. Never crossed my mind. I went to these places so I could play at a higher level. That's it. That's all I wanted. Until one day, halfway or a quarter of the way into my first season in Kingston, I had one of the guys in the team brought me a paper. Brought me the uh, Kingston uh, Herald or whatever it was. And it showed me that I was rated in the first round in central scouting. And I looked at him. I'm like, what, do, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? They're like, well, for the, for the draft. This the is draft. draft. I didn't even know any of that shit. Nothing. Didn't know anything. So you're talking until the that red, day. The red, are you talking the red line? Remember the red line report <laughs> the, written by one of the hockey dads? Sorry, yeah. go ahead. So you're, but you're, th- 
I, I guess what I'm just trying to say is like which you know, draft though you're playing for Kingston the Frontenacs were you playing for the Frontenacs and he brought yeah, you the I was playing it for the Frontenacs at and the you time. were rated in the NHL draft yes NHL draft it's the very first time in my life that I kind of like things went on like the you know in my head was like wow like this is things are getting serious but I when I was a kid I played ungodly amount of road hockey street hockey here in the states you had your two nets you had 80 your buddies you go and play three on three four and four five on five you name it i loved it it was nothing i would rather do than play road hockey okay and i was i I was nhl stars i was gratsky i was lemieux i was paul coffee i was ray bork I was every, all those guys, because I loved the passion of trying to win with my buddies. What were you trying to win? Trying to win the Stanley Cup. Trying to win the Stanley Cup. And I look at PK Sube now, and you're telling me that you're telling me that he doesn't care about winning. No offense. And and I don't want to put words in. What are you going to do? Score a goal with your buddies? Like, yeah, and he signs an eight-year deal for eighty million dollars. <laughs> again, again, what did you just bring up? Money, exactly. Which well, I, was, that's, I was which saying, has never of course, been you're the not focus. Gonna... Which has never been the focus for so many hockey players. No, you're wrong. They just have been able to bluff it because from a young age, they've been forced to to and, and warped into believing that winning is everything. And you know what? I think you need to look at it differently now. If you're good enough to get in the league, play 10 years, make, you know, 25, 30 million bucks and not win, take the deal. <laughs> All these guys, I would trade everything for a championship. Bullshit. Well, I'm not going there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to that point. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade what got, I have made. What percentage in my of your career. career earnings would you give back <laughs> to have a cup? I'd have to do some I'd have to crunch some numbers. I would have to crunch some numbers. <laughs> Thank you for the honesty. Craig, we're gonna deduct five million from your career earnings, but guess what? You're gonna be a cup champ. You're gonna say how much is that ring worth? Thirty-five thousand. So I can buy one of those with a five million. You know, my name's not etched in history for the rest of my life. Uh, do I care? Not really. Well, I feel sad for you that you have that attitude. Oh, don't feel. I, don't cry for me, Argentina. I could give two shits. I don't like. I'm I'm so far past my career that I don't even care that I played in the NHL. It's a footnote of my life. Well, that's sad. I, why? Why is that sad? I don't understand. What do you mean? Like, why is it sad? I don't. I, I just. I don't you know why? I know why it's Hockey sad. Hockey isn't everything. Like it's not. It doesn't. Doesn't rule my life. Period. End of story. Every single one of these kids, every single one, every single one, is sacrificing. Sacrifice is literally going to be the number one word for the next generation upon generations because i'm going to tell you right now if you do not sacrifice you will not get your end result 
I oh, sacrificed I- in so many ways, so many ways. I missed, I missed, uh, dances, proms. I missed, um, you know, parties, multiple parties with friends that I was going to school with, but I couldn't be there cause I had to get picked up uh, at Friday at 12 o'clock, uh, to go to a hockey tournament. I mean, it was endless sacrifice, 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 just, that goes with just to give you an opportunity. It doesn't mean that you're getting to your destination. You have to sacrifice and give everything that you possibly have just to have an That's opportunity. That's the risk of chasing a dream. It doesn't matter if you want to be in Hollywood or you want to be in a, the NHL or you want to play play in anything or do anything. It's sacrifice. Like, I don't know why we shitballing on your career right now that you career. don't no, I'm care. Not, I'm certainly not. I'm sure you, you, you worked your ass off. I, I worked my ass off. No to question. Get here. We did. Yeah. Like to sit here and disrespect all of the shit that you did pisses me off. <laughs> I'm not. How, what, how am I? Dis, what am I disrespecting? That you don't care. care you don't what? care about your career. Oh, no. I mean, my no, career no, no. has you just said it two seconds. I don't care about my career. I don't care about even playing in the NHL. Or... No, it's well, it's, that's sad, man. It's you, more than I'm just so way. far past it. But I, 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 I look at sports and I think about the sacrifice that you're talking about. I've seen it with my brother. I've seen it with me. I've heard it with you. All of our stories in a locker room are all different, but the same. We have Thomas Vanek on. He moved from Austria to, to North America at like 14 or something yeah. like that. Like, like when I think about my sacrifice, I moved an hour and 15 minutes down the road, hour and 20. I mean, that's, that's nothing, yeah. you know, and, and 20 minutes of that is traffic. So it's like, it's not like I moved far away. I was never, I never got shipped to Sault Ste. Marie. I never went to a place where I knew my parents couldn't make it to see me. I wasn't, I wasn't one of these, you know, I don't, I don't look at myself and think, man, I had it really hard in my travels. I had it pretty easy. Tough is not sitting down to have dinner with your parents on a nightly basis. Yeah. I would Tough agree. is going to a school that is four times the size of the school, the high school that you went to, to start your, your, you know, your freshman year. Like yeah. these are sacrifices going to a place that you don't know anybody. Living in another home, living in a home. I had some goddamn nightmares as uh, as billets, absolute nightmares. I had to spend a year of my life in a goddamn dungeon. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you laugh. No, it's I'm not, not funny, man. There are some horror stories about billets, man. Oh my not god! Being able I, to I mean, graduate, I have, I have a not being able to graduate with all of the people that I have grown up with my entire life. Yeah. I mean, there's sacrifice all over the place, Petey. Which is why in the end, all that hurt and pain that we are talking about with a guy like even P.K. Subban retiring at 33 who could still have years on his life, I look and I, I clap my hands and I say, good for you, man. You, you got everything you deserve from the game. You are very well compensated. And not only that, you are going to springboard into something maybe even greater like I think he knows there's there's something greater for him in his next chapter. He's he's created it all. 
PK Subban has created yeah. his own world, and 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 I, I agree commend with him all for that. that. And he and he doesn't he doesn't owe it to anybody to go and chase a championship. If he doesn't need a championship as a stamp on his career, then I think even more of him because all these guys get forced into playing and breaking their bodies for more and more. And you know what goes into a summer. How hard did it get for you at 31, 32, 33 to to want to go and train to compete against these 19, 20, 21 year old kids that wanted you to retire? I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried. For me, I wasn't worried about anybody. I wasn't worried about the guys that were 27. I wasn't worried about the guys that were 22. I wasn't worried about the guys that were being drafted at 18. I worried about myself. I worried about in order to do something, you need to do things right. And if you cannot give 100% of yourself, then you should not be doing it. And I, at that point, was mentally and physically drained after 16 years and 923 games and hundreds, hundreds of injury games lost. My, my, my mental morale and physical body was not able to do what I had to do to stay in this league. I could have stayed in the league. I could have played longer. I could have trained properly, done things right. I was not able to do it. Because I would have given my, I would have given, you know, 80%. And I could have stayed in the league, but it's not what I wanted to do. Well, let's, let's go on the flip side here to a guy who literally gave 120% till he was 45 years old and performed at a ridiculously high level, chased something he already accomplished in Zdeno Chara, who also announced his retirement from, from hockey, which, I'm not going to disrespectfully say that it was long overdue. I love Zidane Ochara, and I know there are a lot of players in the league that are happy he's out. This guy was the most feared player. You can, you have your Larocs, you have your Bougards, you have your... Yeah, because na- he played 25 minutes a night. He was not considered a heavyweight. He was considered a 25 to 30 minute elite top three defensemen for 15 years of his career. Oh yeah. By the way, he could fight any elite heavyweight and not even think twice about it. He was a power play guy. He was a penalty kill guy. He's one of the greatest leaders that this game has ever seen. We've never seen a player like him. Like we've never never will ever see another player like Sedano. Well, unless he has a kid (laughs) and brings him up through the ranks. I'll tell you, because we don't see six, nine defensemen that have the ability to play offense, defense, lead a team. You know, he, he was very, very consistent in how he played. I, I'll, t- I'll tell you a great story in Montreal at, at the time we were doing, we had a battle, we had a battle day. Okay. It was a battle day. And puck goes into the corner and it was small area corner battles and forward goes in D goes in and it's basically forwards trying to protect the puck until the coach can blow the whistle after about, let's say 10 seconds. And then that forward tries to take it to the net one-on-one against the defenseman. Well, I went in with Saku 
And Saku Koivu is one of the, you know, at five foot 10, 180 pounds, he was fierce. He was a fierce honey badger. Okay. So the puck goes in on this day. And I go in and I'm kind of giving Saku a little bump in this, that, and the other. And in the middle of the drill, he turns around and he cross checks me and starts screaming at the top of his lungs. You need to start playing me as hard as you can. He's like, I get beat up by Zidane Chara and guys like that. I need you to go as hard as you can. And like now I'm embarrassed because like literally every single camera in, in Montreal is now at Saku screaming at me because I haven't, you know, beat his ass, you know, hard enough in this drill. But I understand it because Zadina Chara was a different breed. You did not want to go to the front of the net because the guys that went to the front of the net were getting we're gonna get an absolute beating because Back back in the day, that long stick was a weapon, and he made it a nightmare for these forwards to get to the front of the net and play in the corners. So I just remember that, like I had to play Saku in a, in a, in a in a way that it would be on the level of a Zidane Chara, because Zidane Chara is going to beat Saku down as hard as he can. Meanwhile, I'm thinking in my head, holy shit, I can't do what Zidane Chara does, but I can certainly try because now that you piss me off, I'm going to kill you, Saku. So he won the Norris Trophy in 0809. Feel like he could have won more than that, though. Do you know how many games he played? Um, I would probably think 1678. Okay, 1680. Come on. You're you looked. You were just I did not to, look. Yeah, bullshit. How many playoff games did he play? <sighs> playoff games. I don't think he had much with the Islanders. Then he went to Ottawa and they sucked. They sucked? I think Ottawa sucked because Ottawa Ottawa ended up trading him away at the time for Yashin. Maybe they were good. Were they good? I they don't know. They didn't trade. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a uh, hundred, a hundred and a hundred and forty nine games. Well, he made the playoffs every year with Ottawa. 10 games his first year there, 18, the second, seven, the third, 10, the fourth. He played 200 playoff games. Wow. Yeah, two hundred playoff games. A lot. We'll never see another player like him. It doesn't matter. He was was he not a train wreck when he first came into the league? Well, he you know listen. I mean, he was a laughing stock. No, he wasn't a laughing stock. But he was a six nine. He was uh, probably uh, thirty forty pounds less than what he was when he retired. Right. Um. He was he was very lanky. Very he looked he looked very skinny. And awkward is what I was like. He hadn't, he hadn't figured out his, his body yet is, is from what I gathered playing against him when he was with the Islanders still as tough as nails. I remember him fighting Stefan Quintel, which was one of our, 
um, defenseman at the time that was, you know, six foot, six foot three, 230 pounds. But he fought Chara, who was a rookie at the time. And it was like, oh, Jesus, who, who the hell is this kid? He just needed some time. He spent three years on the island. If I think it, I think it was three years. And then he got traded to Ottawa. And once he got traded to Ottawa, they looked at him like a very different player, right? And gave him opportunity that he wasn't given in, in the island. So um, he's, turned into, he's turned into one of the greatest defensemen of all time. Because the there's not a, like, Bobby Orr is the greatest defenseman to ever play the game. Okay, but there are players that have followed in the footsteps of Bobby Orr, like a, a Paul Coffey, a Kale McCarr, all these types of defensemen over the generations, right? The Ryan, the, the Brian Leeches, you can just go on and on and on. I was just going to say Brian Leach, too. But then there was like the Scott Stevens, okay? He was the most dangerous player on the ice. He was a, he was a accident waiting to happen an injury you're thinking ambulance whenever this guy his eyes went squirrely he was a solid skater he could play the game but Zidane Chara there's never been a player like him there's never been a defenseman like him that has played 28 30 minutes a night that is first line power play whose first line penalty kill who is the leader of your team and can also fight the toughest person in the NHL at the time. There's never been a guy like him. He's 6'9", 250 pounds. There's never, there will never be another guy like him. Now, will, the, will there be another Kale McCarr or another Bobby Orr or Brian Leach or Paul Coffey? Yes, there's always going to be those guys coming up. Will there be a Scott Stevens type defenseman? Yes, there will be another one. I do not think there's, there's going to be another Zidane Chara. The Brian McCabe fight when he just tossed him around was is was one that put him on the map too. That was, you know, and Brian McCabe is not a small man. He is not a small guy. He was he's a he was a big man. Six two two twenty two twenty five. Yeah, no, and he, was, he looked like a little rag doll that Zidane Chara was throwing around. And you realized. The entire NHL realized at that time that this guy could be the most dangerous player ever. He truly is one of the greatest players that I ever played against. And I played against some of the best in the game. And he will be one that, uh, you know, certainly will be at the forefront of of my mind of of someone that uh, changed me and the respect that I have for this player. And one more little token throw in. Um, what's the guy's name? The defenseman from Philly retired too. Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel, the Iron Man. We're going to talk about him tomorrow in tomorrow's episode because I just want to bring up uh, some thoughts on on uh, on Keith Yandel. Played a long time in this in this uh, in this game. Had some success. He was a really nice puck moving uh, offensive defenseman. But we will discuss Keith Yandel and his send-off into retirement tomorrow. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle.
and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.